Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. This morning we're going to begin a series of messages that I believe are like really strategic to the time and the place that we find ourselves in. And, uh, you know, in the midst of this the pandemic and social unrest and all this kind of thing, the, the seeming unmovability of all of this thing. I have a serious question to ask each of us. How strong is our faith right now? Huh? I mean, on a practical level, how strong is our faith? I, I hear the Lord saying that it, that it is a time by faith. Watch this. In the midst of all this, in the, I said, like, for example, we're singing holy, holy, holy. I just sensed a flatness among the congregation here. Now, there was a breakthrough two weeks ago, a breakthrough in McCungie last week, but I sensed a flatness. I sensed fatigue. Am I right? Just the fatigue with having to live with this thing. For those of you who are at home, a, a, a measure of fatigue because life has changed. But I'm hearing the Lord saying, our pulpit team is as well, but I'm really hearing the Lord say that it's a time by faith that we need to begin to take back some ground that we've lost, all right? Each day, if we, like, if we pay attention to the news, the government, the media, and so forth, the, the prognosis is always seeming more dire. And I've said many times during this crisis that we need to be crucially aware, watch this, that there is a supernatural component to what's going on here. I hope all of us realize that. Uh, this isn't just a materialistic and a natural kind of thing. Okay, so I strongly felt in God, and, and the pulpit team here concurred, Pastor Ian's preaching the same message. I probably, the two of us haven't probably commiserated, like worked together, collaborated on a message so much as this one, because we both felt that this needs, this is what God is saying. And so, let me explain this. Uh, we, we're gonna call this series of messages Touch Points, because faith needs to find something to touch in order to be manifest. Are you there? I mean, faith isn't just an abstract. Faith isn't just a thought. It's not something that exists apart from being expressed. There needs to be a point at which we express faith. All right. Now, whether I'm praying for healing, praying for financial breakthrough, praying for a place to live, praying for this thing to stop, praying for the job to come back, praying for something to change, whatever it is, I need to know what it is I'm praying for, and whatever it is, that needs to be the touch point in which I exercise my faith. So we're gonna do that this morning. We believe God is now taking us like into a season to prophetically release touch points of faith in our lives and he's gonna give us those touch points and we're gonna watch him move. Can you say amen to that? All right, good. I'm getting a response, say hallelujah. All right, so, <laughs> so we've been talking, like for the last three weeks, we did that thing called civil righteousness. So we were talking about the necessity of justice and kindness and what kindness is and humility, while the world around us is eating itself alive. Huh? You know? And, and so uh, when faith wanes, this is why this is so important to me as a senior leader here. When faith wanes, the church follows suit and begins to eat itself alive. Are you there? I mean, these are, these are not just abstract things we're talking about. 
And so Paul, in writing to the church that he fathered in Corinth, which was eating itself alive, okay, a church who was, was in factions and divisions, and they didn't even have social media, and they seemed to be able to accomplish it, all right? Paul writes to them about when he founded the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 2, 3, and 5. You don't have to turn there. Just listen to what he has to say. Now, by by the way, Paul has been in Athens, and he's been at the Areopagus, or Mars Hill, where he was arguing with the Stoics and the philosophers, and, and he couldn't get much done because it was a philosophical abstract argument. In other words, they wanted to talk about abstractions and go on and on and on, uh, kind of fixing themselves on any kind of new trend that comes along. They were doing that in the first century, imagine that. And and so he comes out of Athens and only a few believed. But then he goes to Corinth. And this is what happens, he says, and I was with you, he said, when I came to you, I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling, he's describing himself. He says, my speech and my message were not in plausible, plausible, uh, logical, philosophical words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and the demonstration of power. That accomplishes something. And I'm like preaching with all my energy this morning because I believe we're moving into something where God wants to begin doing something where in all of our lives individually on key specific touch points, God wants to exercise himself in showing us his power and the presence of his Holy Spirit. Uh, Okay, are you following me? All right, that's good. He says, Paul says, I did this so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men. You go out and try and get some wisdom on what's going on right now. How impossible is that, huh? He says, so that your faith might not rest on what's uh, on CNN and what's on Fox News or what's in the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, so that your faith might not rest on conversations with neighbors over the fence. He says, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men but that your faith would rest, would find itself, that you would rest and have peace in the power of God. I'm after that, man. I really am. Listen, we prayed two weeks ago for Janet Bonsiev, who's a native of Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and and Janet, uh, she's she's been a church planter, and she's married to Ilya. They have preached here. Uh, They're friends of ours. New Covenant sent two teams to Siberia. I've been on those teams. And she was in the hospital in Siberia, which is the place in Siberia that she was in is extremely remote. I mean, and the hospitals are, are just, you know, they're, th- they're developing world hospitals. And on a scale of one to 10, she was at eight, moving to death being 10. She had pneumonia in both lungs and she had a fever that just would not break. And the churches began to pray. This church began to pray and within, I'm going to say 48 hours, the fever broke, and, and she began to, to, to come under healing. I mean, prayer will do that. That's a demonstration of power and faith, all right? So faith rests in the demonstration of the spirit and power. That's my, my first point this morning. 
So the reason for this message is that we believe that God is going to release in each of your lives. If you're watching at home, listen, you gotta get something this morning. God is saying, I'm gonna release a touch point in your life and you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to touch that touch point in faith and watch me demonstrate my power and the presence of my Holy Spirit. So the title of my message this morning is The Importance of Floating Iron. How's that, huh? The importance of floating iron. I've actually preached on this passage. I was trying to figure out how long ago. I think it was about 10 years ago, and then maybe I did it about 20 years ago, but I'm taking a very different approach. It's it's one of these little vignettes in the Old Testament that's preposterous, and I love it because it's preposterous. It's crazy nuts. I just love what what goes on in it, and I'm preaching preaching it this morning because I I believe the Lord spoke to me and said, look, I'm going to float somebody's iron if you'll just have faith, all right? So that's the title of my message. It's uh, from the life of Elisha. And before we approach that text, I have two questions to ask you. I've got one, I've got a a chemist here, I've got a a physicist uh, over there, I've got, let's see, I've got another chemist, a chemical engineer back here, and all kinds of other scientific people here, right? So here's a question. Can iron in and of itself float? Huh? I got another physicist down here. Can iron in and of itself float? All right. I would assume most of you know, and all these people filled with expertise would agree with me, that ferrous molecules, iron molecules, are heavier than water molecules, right? It's impossible for a chunk of iron to float, all right? By, at least by itself. And the next question is this Can wood be magnetized? All right. Can you magnetize wood? Most of us would likewise say, no, that's physically impossible. And you'd be right, okay, you'd be right. But, what, but that's what we're going to be shooting toward in this series of messages. God doing stuff that can't be done. Is that okay? Yeah. All right, that's what we need to see. And I almost feel like we're waiting for God to do stuff that can't be done out there with this whole big deal that's going on. But I'm saying it has to begin in the church. Huh? Huh? So, so uh, that's what we're going to be shooting toward. Bill Johnson's uh, mantra, Bill Pastor's, he's a, pretty, he's a writer and, and a preacher and all that stuff, and he, he leads the church out in Redding, California, Bethel, and his mantra is this, as the, people, as the people of God, we must never, ever lose our appetite for the impossible. Huh? We can't lose that. And so uh, I believe that during this time, as we're acting and moving, we're not going to lose faith, we're going to gain faith. And so I've entitled this message, as I said, The Importance of Floating Iron. I could, well, let me put it this way, The Importance of Floating Your Iron. So we're going to turn to a list like this little obscure passage, important episode from the life of Elisha in the Old Testament. And I want to glean from it this morning. I want... I want to provoke, evoke something from those of you who are watching uh, online, those of you who are watching on live stream, and those of you who are here, those of you who are in Mukunji. I want to evoke something from you because I believe it is what God is doing. So we're going to turn to this passage. It's in, uh, it's in uh, 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 1, and, and we're going to be reading there. And I'm not even going to do a big thing about the context because 
The context is important, but not important for what we want to do today. We're going to let the passage stand by itself. I'm usually a context guy, but we're not going to do that. So I'm going to begin in reading chapter 6 of 2 Kings and verse 1. And here we go. Now the sons of the prophets... Okay, this was a prophetic community, also referred to in other places as the school of the prophets. They lived in community, and they developed the prophetic. They prophesied. They moved in words of knowledge, words of wisdom, creative words, the miraculous, and all those kinds of things. So the sons of the prophets, this community of prophetic people, who were being led by Elisha, said to Elisha, see the place where we dwell under your charge, under your authority. It's too small for us. So Elisha was the leader and the authority in the community. Verse 2, and so this servant says to Elisha, let us go to the Jordan, each of us, and get there a log. Well, the word log there means a rafter or a beam. They were going to build a bigger uh, uh, build a bigger place in order to congregate. We have these, these, in Bethlehem, we have these steel rafters, you can see. It's that kind of thing. And so here we are. They're going to get the log for the construction of this large roof. And still in verse 2, and it says, and let us make a place for us to dwell there. Right? And he, that's Elisha, answered and said, go. Verse 3. And then one of them said, well, wait a second. Be pleased to go with your servants. And Elisha answered, I will go. And verse 4. So he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. Verse 5. But as one was felling a log or a rafter, his axe, and the word for axe in Hebrew is, is also the word for iron. So this is an iron axe. Very, very precious commodity at the, in, in this uh, millennium BC. It's, it's something you didn't go to Ace Hardware to pick up that day. Are you there? All right. The axe head fell into the water, and the servant cried out, alas, or, oh no! And then he goes, to, looks at Elijah and says, my master, it was borrowed. Now that word could be, it was rented, it was, but it wasn't mine. I was felling the tree with a tool that was not mine. So verse six, then the man of God, that's Elisha, it, the man of God uh, said, well, I love this, well, where did it fall? All right. And, and when he showed him the place, he cut a stick. Watch this. The word for stick there is a significantly sized piece of wood. All right. And he threw it into the Jordan and he made the iron float. The nature, the very nature of the physics, the very nature of the way that the world was composed changed immediately by the transformation of two things, wood and iron. Are you there with me? Now, what I've, that's quite a miracle, wouldn't you say? Huh? And what's really interesting to me is Elisha is this great prophet, and, and, and he makes the iron float. He takes the stick and throws it in, and, and this is a prophetic community, right? And he, so he, he throws the stick in, and the iron begins to float, and then in verse 7, Elisha says, look, take it up. And so the servant reached his hand and picked up the iron and took it. And he was saved from all this crisis that he would have had had he lost the iron axe. Not to mention the fact that the dwelling place, the church, would not have been built. So this, watch this. I love these little things, these little kind of 
nutsy cuckoos that go on in, 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 in the Bible text. Now, so Elisha's this great prophet, he's healing lepers, just he, healed Naaman the leper and did all this stuff and he has all these words of knowledge and words of wisdom, but he has to ask the guy where the ax head was. Huh? In other words, there's a limitation. When we obey God, there's these limitations that we have to walk through in order to find out what God is doing and then have a touch point for our faith and then begin to move on it. Huh? This is, now, I want to bring this home. This is what God is saying to us right now. I want to pray with you at home and pray with the congregation right now because I don't want us to miss the beginning of this series. Father, in the name of Jesus, I, Father, we believe that your Holy Spirit, your anointing, the, the, the anointing that, that's creative, that changes the way things are, that changes uh, the nature, the very nature of the reality that you built in the first place because it's all yours. Lord, we, we, we just release now, God, the power of the miraculous over the hearing of these congregations, over the hearing of those on podcast, over the hearing of those who are at home, especially over the hearing of those who who've kind of braved the elements to be here this morning, and we want to release touch points of faith over the course of the next five or six weeks that we will hear, Lord, of your glory, your victory, that you do things that can't be done in our lives, Lord, so that we don't participate in the malaise of believing that you're distant and not here. We ask that for this message and the succeeding messages. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. So the supernatural is here is, is like so matter of fact. I mean, the guy loses his axe head and everything's catastrophe. And Elijah just goes, really, where, where is it? Oh, let me get the stick and throw it in the water, magnetize the wood, and the wood will cause the iron to float because iron doesn't float, but wood does. That's kind of crazy, yeah? Huh? I, I love it, I love it. So New Covenant, what's God saying to us in the passage? Yeah, and more than that, what do we have to do that's actionable? See, there was stuff that was actionable here, okay? What can we personally do looking to this manifestation of spirit and power? How do we get up off our uh, sweet feet <laughs> and do something to see God move, all right? That kind of thing. We need to get in on the action. The first and obvious lesson in this passage from Elijah is that he responds to the faith of one of his disciples. I mean, what initiates this whole, uh, this whole episode is the disciple comes in faith and says, we need to grow. We need to grow. And so my first uh, uh, point, what I really believe God is speaking to us as NC4 is go for growth. I don't know where you're at, but if like you feel like you're in a stasis, find something, go for growth, right? I'm saying to the church, we're gonna go for growth. I believe, and I am moving, I'm, I'm moving on touch points of faith. I believe this church is gonna grow through this crisis, watch that. That's impossible, yeah? It's gonna happen. That's where I'm at this morning. I, I believe the DNA of anything in God is to grow, and we're gonna go for growth. But that's true for your own households, huh? Right? That's true for your own lives. There's growth in God to be had if we discover 
what it is we need to touch, what it is we need to invest ourselves in, what it is that we, how we need to exercise our faith. There's this attitude out there that it's what the devil wants to generate is that we just sit tight until something else happens. I ain't sitting tight. I really believe God wants us to begin to, to move in such a way that we become literally the city on a hill. Two weeks ago, the Lord spoke to me and said, I was walking, I was walking on one of the rail trails down near Hallertown, and the Holy Spirit came on me and said, ask me for something impossible. You know, I started to think of impossible stuff to ask him for. And, he, and, and I felt like the Lord said, no, 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 ask me for something impossible, and when you get to the thing that's, that I'm doing, I'll put my finger on it, and that's it. And so the Lord spoke to me and said, this is what I want to do in your life right now. This is where, where I want your life to go in the midst of this COVID thing and all this social unrest. This is, this is what I'm speaking to you. And, and then he said, now you do this. You do this. You do this actionable thing. I'm not going to tell you what it was uh, because I don't want to confuse everybody. It was something a little bit disrelated to where I wanted to go. He said, you begin doing this in faith and I will move in faith. In other words, see, the guy had to say to Elijah, let's grow. And then Elijah had to say to the guy, will you show me where the axe head is, right? And then Elijah had to go find the stick and take the stick, magnetize it, you know. I don't know what he did. Did he just hold it up before the Holy Spirit? Or just the act of obedience changed the nature of the stick, changed the nature of the predicament that changed the nature of the iron so that iron could float. I mean, what is that? So the question here is hearing God and being obedient to what God says. Remember re talking to an old saint. His name was Arthur Burt. He used to preach here. You know, Arthur was brilliant. He died a few years ago. He was 102 years old, still preaching. And he was just such a quizzical character. Anyway, he was discipled by Smith Wigglesworth. How's that? He slept in the same bed with Smith Wigglesworth on the sawdust trail. You know, he was involved in all those revivals back before World War II, and, and he still kind of moved around the world. He was really uh, an interesting character. I never met anybody who could call down the glory of God like he could. I mean, he would get up and sing a little hymn, and like we'd have our big charismatic splashy songs, and he'd just kind of walk up to the pulpit, and he'd raise his hands and sing a, some crazy hymn in Welsh, and the Holy Spirit would go, whoa! Huh? He was floating iron, that guy. So I said to him one day, I said, Arthur, do you go, ever go to conferences or anything like that? He says, no, I haven't gone to conferences in years. I said, why? Like, because you're old and it's difficult to get there? He says, no, I just found that whenever I went to a conference, that what I came away with was this. God said to do something, I was obedient to do it, and a miracle happened. <laughs> That's like the sum of the kingdom right there, right? Anyway, I think of Arthur. Praise the Lord for Arthur. Anyway, I was with a, a friend in Central Texas just not, not terribly long ago, just last summer, and I walked into the sanctuary. He didn't know I was going to come in, and he was standing there. I could see this kind of like thing was on him, like it was, he was downcast. I said, what's going on, man? And he, and he says... I'm just asking the Lord why I'm so unsuccessful. Well, this guy wasn't unsuccessful. He had a good church, a great marriage, good wife, but his church hadn't grown in years. 
have you like given up on the possibility of growth? It's like, is it something you, he said, I've done everything I know how to do. I don't know what else to do. I said, well, let's just sit here and pray. And so we began to pray and we just began to speak growth to the church. And, and, and I came back, well, I don't know, three or four months later and the church had almost doubled. Yeah. I mean, God can do stuff that isn't in the nature of the things that we see happening to happen. Are you there? That's just one example. God can do that in so many other arenas of life. So the next thing I want to say is keep connected. See, the servants of Elisha entreat him to stay connected with them. He says, I don't want to go build if you're not building, yeah? It's that kind of thing. There's power in the maintenance and the insistence of community. Now, I'm going to say this, and if I, I got to say it right or I'll offend people online, or I got to say it right or I'll offend people here. I really appreciate you being here. It's very difficult to be here. And for those of you who are staying home, it's wise, do it. I'm not manipulating or anything like that, but the fact that you tuned in, the fact that you're listening, the fact that you're connected, the fact that you're praying together, the fact that you're, you're doing, it counts. It counts incredibly. I have, a, I have a friend who's a pastor, big church, like, I don't know, 5,000 members or something like that in a very heavy metropolitan area, but he comes from a, he and his wife come from a very rural Midwestern area that's almost not affected by the virus at all, and his parents called him and said, please, get your family together, come out here and stay here till this thing's over. Huh? Protect your family, son, be wise. And he said, Dad, I can't do that. This is my family. Well, we're your family. No, you are my family, but this is the family that I'm called to. I can't abandon them. Are you there? This is the test that's going out there right now. Selena, Pastor Ian's wife, just came back to America. Selena's a woman of color. She's Jamaican, British subject and all that stuff. Doesn't understand all this racial stuff going on in America, stuff like that. Her family says to her, are you crazy? You're going over there now in the midst of all this. Her attitude is, this is where I'm called. Keep connected. You see, that's bravery, it's courage, it's walking into the unknown, being confident that God will float some iron if I'll move, yeah? yeah. God will float some iron. All right, so everyone is, these days is preoccupied with what they can't do, but we want to be preoccupied in what God will do. Are you there? So that's what I'm talking about. So this servant here thinks all is lost. But guess what? Elisha is unfazed. Yeah, well, well where is it? <laughs> Show me where you lost it. I, I love it. I love the nonchalance of, of God. I love, even Jesus had this nonchalance at certain points. You know, when he walks up to the, I keep going back to the woman at the Samaritan well, and he says, woman, get me a drink. And this whole preposterous, wonderful thing happens where a whole city of Samaria is converted to God, yeah? Whoa, it's like big stuff. Okay, so here's the deal, this is my point. Assess your limitation as an integral part of God's big plan. God's plan has not stopped with what's going on. For you personally, 
Something is going on. God is doing something. He's going to create something. He's going to do something big in your life and in my life. And so begin to assess your limitation in a different light. Move it from the debit side of the balance sheet over to the credit side of the balance sheet. Figure out. Hear from God. What are you saying, God? What's the touch point here? And then receive it and do it. Huh? It's that kind of thing. So this guy in the story who lost the iron, I love this. The guy who lost the iron in the Bible, Elisha is a big name in the Bible. The guy who lost the iron head, all right, for whom this big miracle is accomplished, he got no name. We don't know who he is, right? That means he's everybody. <laughs> because he's anybody. The God of our little lives, we think, or our little impossibilities, all of that, God is in that, and he has a plan for us. Our little problems, our little problems matter to God. The God who's designing the geopolitics of Brazil or the economy of China and what's going on there, you know, he cares about your household income. Uh, the God, you know, the God... God cares that you don't have a car payment, that you don't know where you're going to get it. He cares that your marriage is going south and you don't know what to do. He cares that you're not getting the grade you need in the course in order to do what you need to do. All this little stuff, which is big stuff to us, is big stuff to God too. Huh? It's big stuff to him. God cares, but here's the deal. He wants in. He wants in to these things. He's the God who does the impossible and calls into being that which does not exist. Do we believe that really? Huh? Do we believe that really? Okay, so the next thing is make a personal faith investment into what God is doing. Now, this is a time to identify what impossibility that God has his finger on and ask him how you can sow faith into the predicament. Um, all right. I shouldn't have looked at the clock. <laughs> All right, the iron, watch this. Here's a cool thing. The iron that was lost was a borrowed tool or a rented tool, yeah? That, that could mean this person was not wealthy enough to have an ax of his own. Huh? Some people have lost means of working during this pandemic. And the, the items you rely on for income and well-being don't belong to you. So here's some practical ways to exercise faith. One, identify a key or strategic resource that you need to own or acquire for the health of your household, but for which you have very little hope. Huh? Maybe an apartment, a job, money for expansion, a tool that you don't have, a resource that you don't have, a relationship that you don't have, childcare, huh? Things which seem impossible, but God can find a way. Huh? Pray into that situation over the course of this week. I'm going to release, we're releasing touch points right now. Whatever it might be, pray into that situation over the course of the week, okay? And then identify through a word from God how to make an investment in that thing. Let me give you an example. A bunch of years ago, one of my kids needed to pass a very, very difficult course in order to get accredited in the thing that they wanted to, to do in life. And it, it was tough, it was really tough. And so I was praying and praying and praying. This is the kind of nutsy cuckoo stuff that God does. So God begins to speak to me, and I felt like 
said, you need to invest yourself in faith and a touch point of faith for that kid to be able to achieve this thing. And I said, okay, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to send the, send the kid to a, I don't know, some kind of a clinic or something like that? No, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a Hebrew, a remedial course in Hebrew. God spoke to me this way. And I, see, Hebrew was my primary kind of uh, subject when I was in seminary, right? Uh, Semitic studies and stuff like that. Not only that, but that was a key point. And I thought, I don't want to do that. I mean, I don't want to go back and do verb conjugations. And, you know, are you there? You know, I mean, I, I, I was somewhat adept, but see, when you don't do this stuff from day to day, you lose it, you know? And I wasn't translating from day to day. He said, buy, buy a remedial course in Hebrew, and, and, and I want you to do it for eight months. It was like Elijah getting the stick, <laughs> magnetizing the dang thing. Went and bought the course and put in an hour a day on it, you know? And this kid just flowered in the whole thing. It was seemingly completely disrelated. After I began doing it, I realized God was giving me a tool for us, huh? Preaching and understanding when I was, I had to translate this before I preached it. You there? And so God was giving me a tool, re reinvesting in me a tool as I invested in this touch point of faith. And as I was obedient to gain a tool, my kid got a tool to take that kid into the rest of their lives. Are you there? I mean, it's really hard to put together an equation for your mystery. Wow. Are you there? To, to give you this equation that's absolute, this is what you need to do. Go downstairs and clip your toenails and God will, you know, give you a, a Cadillac. I, 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 there's just no way to do that except to hear God. Yeah. So, okay, identify through a word from the Lord how to make an investment. Sow a seed. Sometimes the seed isn't obvious. It's not linear. It's, it's, it's not related to the fruit out. But when you get it, you realize the wisdom of God is all, all over it. Yeah? It's that kind of thing. So, all right. So, my last point, because I'm way, behind, I'm way over. God invades. This is the big deal. This is the point of this. God invades the world of the ordinary and he transforms things into what they are not to show us that he will transform us into who we are not. Huh? Because what happens is we, I'm never going to change. I can't change. It's who I am. This is the way I am. It's just the way I am. And God's saying, Forget about it. You know, I create you. I, I created you and I continue to create you. I speak creative words into your life. And just when you think you've reached the end of yourself, I make you new. I mean, that's the deal here. So, you know, one of the properties of, of iron that the ancient smiths were well aware of is that it's, it, you couldn't, that you could magnetize it. So Elijah throws the wood into the water and the iron becomes something that it's not. It becomes the wood, it floats, right? And, and it becomes uh, the wood. It's buoyant, it floats, but the wood becomes like the iron and attracts the ax so it can be retrieved. He changes the nature of things. Yeah. And boy, is this, this is a word of the Lord into this thing right now. And if you don't know Jesus as your 
your God, your Lord, and your Savior, and your King this morning, guess what? You can do it right now and gain the life of Jesus because he died for you. All you have to do is tell him this. Say, Lord, um, I don't know you, but I want to know you. So I just, I'm sorry for all the things that I've done wrong. I ask you to give me your Holy Spirit. And I ask you to forgive me for all those things so that I can begin to walk out the life that you prepared for me through the blood of the Lamb and the broken body of you, my Savior. So if you do that, just take that, rumble it around in your spirit and say that before you take the elements this morning. May the God of floating iron (laughs) sanctify you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Go in peace to love and float some iron for the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the NC4 Podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word Jesus to 610-816-6062.